you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hi there, I am your host, Susan Rosen. And today, I wanna talk about exercise. There was a new set of exercise guidelines, physical activity guidelines specifically for Americans, that was developed by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services that came out the end of last year, I guess it was November 2018, which was the first update that they did for 10 years. And it's kind of interesting. There are essentially 10 big takeaways having to do with the new guidelines. But first I'm gonna tell you that some of these are of course only recommendations, but they say that they found the evidence for these deemed to be quote strong or moderate and so that is why they are including it in it. I'll also say that it turns out that this was also adopted by the American Heart Association after it was published. So you've got a lot of people accepting this and going, getting on board with it. Needless to say, the biggest thing that they are recommending is to get out and start moving. And at the same time, they are saying that what you really want to do is get, do the exercise at an intensity level that is comfortable for you and that you will continue doing which makes a lot of sense because if, it, if it's telling you that you're supposed to go out and run 10 miles and you're 70 years old and you have some physical issues, of course you're not gonna do it and then you're not gonna do anything. So what they're saying is that we all need to do what we can in order to get our bodies moving. They are saying one of the first takeaways, which we all know, is that exercise does have some very well-established health benefits. And they also know, have found, that some of the benefits actually occur over a very short time and, and could even be after one single bout of activity that you go out and do. And that includes things like a reduced blood pressure and anxiety, and even improvements in blood sugar, blood cholesterol, sleep, and certain cognitive functions, unquote. 
otherwise there are benefits that that accrue the longer that you do this and I think we all know that it the longer you do a particular exercise it becomes easier for you and you know that obviously if it's getting easier for you that you are therefore getting in better shape and getting a lot of the benefit from those activities because at the same time you can start adding a little more intensity or you can just start doing it for longer there are a lot of different things that going out and even just starting to go out and walk each time walking a little bit further there are a lot of risks that will go down that are out there for all of us so some of those lowered risks are for cardiovascular disease for type 2 diabetes dementia depression there are certain kinds of cancers for instance bladder and breast also all-cause mortality so exercise can just help you live a better and longer life which I think is really important we all know as well that it improves bone health and as a woman that's something that's very important to me because women postmenopausally have a bigger rate and a bigger risk of developing osteoporosis again as I always do making it personal my mother had very bad osteoporosis particularly from the waist up it was always a very big problem she had a number of surgeries having to do with it and I am adamant that I am not going to be in that same place as I get older back to some of the other things that exercise helps something that I think again we can all see and appreciate is that it, it increases your overall quality of life that means that you can get out and you can do other things that you normally couldn't do if you don't exercise and your muscles start to atrophy or your bones get soft or whatever it happens to be it also improves functioning in people with various chronic illnesses or disabilities and that includes Parkinson's disease and strokes and just as an aside there is a new analysis of eight observational studies following more than 544,000 people for an average of 12 years and they found that 2200 of those 544,000 developed Parkinson's and they also found that only moderate to vigorous not light but moderate to vigorous physical activity was associated with reduced risk of Parkinson's and the more activity the greater the apparent benefit which doesn't surprise me 
uh, was up to a 29% reduction for those reporting the most exercise. That's really quite impressive. Again, Parkinson's is something else that runs in my family. And I am very well aware of what goes on with that and how exercise can help you in either not getting it or if you do have it in making it so that your life can go on and you can live with it and not have to develop into those horrible later stages of Parkinson's. Also, they have found that exercise and staying physically active reduces the risk of having a stroke and it may reduce the severity of a stroke if you have one. And that came out in a recent study in um, the magazine Neurology where they looked at 925 people, average age 73, who had been hospitalized for strokes. And they were asking them about their pre-stroke activity levels. They found that about half had been physically active, though almost none had exercised vigorously. Those who reported that they did light physical activity, defined as walking at least four hours a week, or moderate activity, things like swimming or brisk walking, were twice as likely to have had a mild, not severe, stroke as their inactive counterparts. So that's the two pieces that we were just talking about. Okay, back to the guidelines. It seems that following the guidelines can lower, by one estimate, can lower the risk of premature death by 33% compared to being sedentary. So I don't know about you, but that's enough to get me off of my backside and get out there and exercise. Personally, I go out and I walk. I try and walk two and a half to three miles, if not every day, then usually four or five days out of the week. And I go to the gym at least once, usually try and do two times so I can work with the weights. And I'm going to start actually riding the bicycles, the stationary bikes, to work on my legs even more. So that's what I do. Okay, so they're saying for substantial health benefits, adults should do at least 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity aerobic activity. So that they're talking about brisk walking, dancing, housework, or you can do 75 minutes, which is half a week, of vigorous intensity activity like running, singles tennis, or high intensity fitness classes. Any exercise is good, but more is better. And in the guidelines, they talk about mixing it up by combining moderate and vigorous activities during the week. They also talk about activities like bicycling and swimming that could be either moderate or vigorous, and that all depends on how much effort you put in. 
which makes sense. Number three is if you're an older adult, over 65, and I will be there soon. I am so excited. What they were saying is that the relative intensity is a better guide than absolute intensity in determining what is moderate or vigorous activity. And what they mean by that is that you need to look at how much effort a particular activity takes for you to do. Because, for instance, my husband goes to the gym three or four times a week. He's been doing that for his, probably his, almost his whole life. What he does and the intensity that he does, I can't do. And he's older than I am. So it is all comparative. It depends on where you are starting out. What are you doing now? And then what you can do without straining something or hurting something. Um, don't go out there and start trying to do something that's high intensity if you haven't been doing that. That is a prescription for disaster. So that's what they're trying to say here is that moderate intensity exercise could be defined as a five or a six on a scale of zero if all you've been doing is sitting to 10 which is the most effort required and vigorous beginning at seven or eight but that depends on your fitness level even there what they continued on saying is even tai chi or yoga typically considered light exercise on an absolute scale could be seen as and count as moderate or vigorous activity if you haven't been doing anything. So in number four, they talk about how to determine the intensity of your workout and they call it the talk test. So for moderate intensity exercise, you should be able to talk but not sing. And during vigorous exercise, you should be able to say only a few words before you have to stop and take a breath. So I think that's a pretty good way of thinking about this. Okay, so number five is that the guidelines emphasize that further health benefits, such as muscle strengthening exercise, that's like when you go to the gym, which should be done at moderate or greater intensity at least twice a week, and it should involve all major muscle groups, so arms, shoulders, chest, back, abdomen, hips, and legs, which, again, makes a lot of sense. You don't want to just be doing one area because then your whole body just kind of gets out of balance. They continue on saying that older adults should additionally do balance exercises, which I also think are very important. And that could be things like standing on one foot, walking backwards, or using one of those wobble board things. Those are kind of fun. Um, but you really have to start holding on to something when you do that, because otherwise you could fall off very easily. Number seven says that if all of this sounds like a lot, that you should look at the new guidelines and understand that they emphasize 
the fact, which I think we've already talked about, that going from sedentary to any amount of moderate or vigorous activity can have significant benefit. And even light activity is better than no activity. Then you can just keep adding on to that and eventually work up to more and longer activity. So many people just start out and then they get frustrated and they quit. Well, don't. It's so important just to get out there and do something, even if all you start doing is walking around the block. But just walk. If you do do that, watch out for the cracks in the sidewalk and lift your feet up. I know that from experience because I am trying to readjust myself because I just trip way too often. They are also saying here that a key change from the previous guidelines is that the new ones encourage activity throughout the day in small pieces if you can't do a long time. So if you can't do a 30-minute workout, then do 10 minutes three or four times a day and do different kinds of things. Maybe you go out and walk for 10 minutes. Maybe you come back and you vacuum around or you clean. Something that, that again, gives you more exercise. They were also saying you could do something like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Um, again, don't do that if you're going up to the 10th floor to start with, but eventually you can work up to it. Number nine was that if you need more motivation, consider working with an instructor or a coach. You can do that individually, one-on-one, -on -one, or you can do it in a group. Or maybe you can go and start working out with a friend or a family member so that you have someone else, like a buddy, to go with. That'll get you up and going even better, or even more often, I guess maybe I should say, if you know that somebody else is there and is depending on you to go with them. They also talk about how devices and apps, the ones that help you track your steps or give you feedback about your progress, can also be helpful. They aren't always totally accurate, but they can give you a starting point and then how you've done better every time. They also talk about avoiding injuries and choosing activities that are appropriate for you to do them in a safe environment and needs to say wear the proper clothing and shoes and protective gear, depending on what you're doing, of course. Also, to increase activity gradually over time. And if you have any kinds of health issues, then be sure and talk to your healthcare provider, doctor, whatever, to find out what kinds of activities would be okay for you to do. So the bottom line of all of this is that physical activity may not be the end-all and be-all, but it really can make a difference. It can help you lose weight. It can help you gain muscle. It can help your bones. It can just help your whole 
outlook on life. Exercising has been shown to definitely help in having a better and a happier outlook on life and not being as depressed like you can get if all you do is sit around. They said that, I guess it was an editorial in the Journal of the American Medical Association about the new guidelines. And they said that, quote, multiple studies demonstrate that the steepest reduction in disease risk, such as for coronary heart disease, occurs at the lowest levels of physical activity. And so that means that it's from going from from going from no activity to even just a little, and that quote reductions in the risk of disease and disability occur by simply getting moving. Okay, and on top of that, don't forget there is a fun factor if you are doing physical activity together in a class or a group or as I said with a friend or maybe a family member all of that will help all aspects of your life the guidelines also included specific recommendations for children which I thought was interesting ages 3 to 17 also for pregnant women and for people with chronic health conditions. And you can go and look all of that up at, let's see, what is this? tinyurl.com slash exercise slash HHS. And I will put that in the show notes for you as well so that you can go and look up those guidelines. Okay, that's it for today's show. Please remember that I am not a doctor. This is not medical advice. And if you do have any particular issues that you're worried about as far as activities, go and talk to your doctor or some sort of a personal trainer or physical therapist or someone who knows what your situation is and can give you the right kind of feedback so that you don't go out and hurt yourself. And the last thing I'm going to say as well is that if you do go to a gym, have somebody at the gym show you how to use some of the equipment if you are not already familiar with them because that also can keep you from really hurting yourself. I will be back again soon with another podcast. And in the meantime, go and check out my website for earlier podcasts, as well as wherever it is you're listening to this, which could be Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. And I hope everyone goes out and starts exercising and feeling even better than they already do. That's it for me. I will look forward to talking to you all next time. 
This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.